Trinity Baptist Church. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, For anybody that I don't know yet, uh, my name is Dave Page, and I am uh, the newest elder here at Trinity Baptist Church. Um, So new, in fact, that I was... uh, I was just affirmed last Sunday after the, second, after the, the one service. So obviously they, they uh, don't waste any time putting you to work around here. Um, and if anybody noticed either the sign outside or looked at your bulletin, I didn't exactly get a softball of a topic for my first sermon. So uh, give me a little grace. Um, again, for those that don't know me, I've been attending Trinity for about five years. Um, I, uh, my now wife, Sarah, introduced me to this congregation after we met on a project at, at work. If you were wondering how a guy like me could end up with a girl like her, well, you wouldn't be alone. But if you were to ask her what initially caught her eye about me, she would say it was somewhat of a measure of my competency. Um, See, I didn't ask stupid questions. (laughs) A very high bar. Um, (laughs) Thankfully, since then, our relationship has has deepened. We've uh, been blessed by God incredibly, and we've been married. We were married here uh, two years, two months, and 16 days ago, or give or take. Um, Just a little more about myself, since uh, there are probably a few of you I don't know. I'm uh, from just outside Baltimore, Maryland, originally. I moved to New York about six years ago. And just to get it out of the way, I got to clarify this with people. I am and will continue to be a Baltimore Orioles and a Baltimore Ravens fan. I, I, I I want nothing to do with the Yankees. Sorry. (laughs) Interestingly enough, though, the last time that I was on this stage talking about sports teams was my wedding day. And and you may wonder, well, what does, you know, sports have to do with with getting married? You know, how is that contextually relevant to a a wedding ceremony? I'll give you three words. Mr. James Leonard. Now, James was kind enough to uh, officiate our, our marriage ceremony, and beforehand he had asked us for some quirky anecdotes, some fun stories, and, uh, he happened to work in that Sarah and I, uh, while we're both, you know, fervent football fans, had not yet uh, resolved our different allegiances. Uh, she was a, uh, a Patriots and a, a Miami Hurricanes fan. I was a Baltimore Ravens fan and a few other college teams that will remain unnamed. But thankfully, um, after a lot of hard negotiation and compromise, we were able to, uh, to, to you know, come to, um, you know, a compromising point for a marriage. It's, it's all good stuff. I am now a, a Miami Hurricanes fan. Go you. And... Sarah is a Baltimore Ravens fan with her very own jersey. See, it, it's two for one day at Trinity. You thought you were just going to hear about generosity, but now you've got a, a compromise piece on the house. So you're, you're welcome in advance. Um, in all seriousness, I, I, um, when I started attending Trinity, I got uh, really plugged in with the men's ministry. Dave Kim and Joe Rogers um, were up there meeting, and that was really part of the thing that kind of brought me back on the right walk. Um, you know, since then, this church has been such a, a gracious um, blessing to me, uh, from whether it's the newcomers, members, uh, newcomers welcome, or uh, teaching Sunday school with Sarah, or uh, going to Rwanda three times. Um, it, it's just been an incredible blessing, and I am humbly privileged to be stepping out on this, uh, this new venture, and um, 
I'm excited to get started. So let's open in a, in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us. You promise in your word that where two or more are gathered, there you will be also. So again, we invite you into this place, Lord. I pray that your spirit would be present here, that you would teach us through your scriptures, and that you would touch our hearts and and give us the little glimmers of wisdom that you have in store for each one of us today. I ask that you would be glorified through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in uh, the ninth week of our, our series, Words to Live By, here at Trinity, where we're looking at passages in the book of Proverbs and trying to glean glimmer, you know, pieces of, uh, of biblical wisdom from them. And I'm actually really excited, you know, contrary to my, my prior quip, about uh, talking about generosity for a couple reasons. Um, number one, two of my spiritual gifts are, are serving and giving. Um, and I think both of those flow most naturally out of true generosity. Um, I'd like to think that my third uh, spiritual gift is teaching, but I'll let you all vote on that in about 30 minutes. Um, additionally, I knew that I would be returning from Rwanda a few weeks ahead of time. We, we had another trip. Uh, we got back around July 27th or something like that. And I figured being in Rwanda, teaching about generosity, you know, it, there's got to be some linkage there that I can, I can you know, pull out. Which brings me to my, uh, my snazzy shirt that you might be noticing. So this was actually a gift from uh, the local pastors there in Rwanda. Um, you know, based on, I've been there three times, we, we typically get a gift, um, you know, from the folks there as a, a measure of their gratitude for us, whether it's a, a bag of coffee or, or honey. It, it obviously means so much. But as we were sitting there, this was our second Sunday, after, right after a five-and-a-half-hour worship service. Just think about how long I take and then remember that. Um, <laughs> But we were sitting around the table having lunch with the pastors, and, and they brought out these gifts for us. And we're all kind of sitting there opening, and, and you know, I kind of knew what to expect at this point. And I opened it up, and there was a, a piece of fabric, and I, I pulled it out, and it's a, a beautiful, a, a nice shirt. I look across, and, and Greg uh, Brown is pulling out a shirt as well. The girls are getting bags. And I look next to me, and Sarah is pulling out a, a dress. But not just any dress. A dress of matching fabric. <laughs> And I look to the right of Sarah, and Fred and Susanna Atkins are sitting there, and they also have a matching shirt and dress combination. Doesn't match us, but they match each other. <laughs> but, 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 but it didn't, so it didn't end there. We, we all tried them on because we wanted to you know, take a picture and, and show them how grateful we were. They had been custom fitted. Now, I mean, this is, this is a pretty good fitting shirt. I wasn't measured in a tailor shop. They had somehow eyed us up as we were going through this week, and, and cut the, the dresses and shirts exactly to our specifications. I mean, I still think that they may have snuck into our rooms at night and measured us, but th- that's not the point. The point is, these folks poured out of what they had such generosity on us, we, the Americans, going there to, to serve them. It, it was just such an impactful way that I, I had to kind of tell you about that. But now, if you, if you want to see the matching outfits, there is a Rwanda tell-all September 14th after the second service. <laughs> Cheap plug, done. Um, but before we get too far into it, let, let's, let's level set a bit. Um, you know, when you hear the word generosity in today's nomenclature, you probably think of, of money. If, if somebody is, uh, if a, a person or an institution is considered generous, they're, they're probably giving away a lot of money, and that, that's obviously a great thing. But more broadly speaking, generosity is the quality of being generous, which means liberal or giving, uh, liberal in giving or sharing, 
Or to expand on that a bit, it is freely giving more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. It's going above or beyond. And I think most of us uh, would agree that, that generosity is a worthwhile quality to aspire to. If someone is known to be a generous person, that's generally a, a positive characteristic. And while we know that generosity is, is not restricted to money, um, you know, it can be giving away your time, your talents, your energy. Um, you know, I, I want to explore that holistically today as we, we look at the, um, at the book of Proverbs. And thankfully, for me, the book of Proverbs has lots of examples here. Um, so if you have your Bible, I'm going to kind of run through a few um, uh, verses and we'll, we'll dig into them a little bit more. But in addition to what Sarah read, um, if we look at Proverbs 22.9, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Proverbs 19.17, If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. In both of those, we see that being generous to, to those around us is serving and honoring the Lord and he honors that back. Proverbs 28.27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. So turning a blind eye to the needs of the world does, does not bode well for us, uh, at least uh, is what they're saying here. Giving yourself away, though, you will lack nothing. In Proverbs 19.6, it says, Many seek favors from a ruler, and everyone is a friend of a person who gives gifts. Friendship is born out of selfless giving and generosity. Giving of yourself, moving towards someone else. We inherently know that. But that's what's necessary for relationships, friendships, etc. And then Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Notice that in all these passages, the concentration is on the, the giver and the act of giving. I'm sorry, the act of giving by the giver. It's the action and the after effect, as opposed to the circumstances out of which that action is taken. None of the verses preface these words uh, saying that, you know, once all our needs are met, you know, once you're set, then you go and give. Or saying that, you know, once you have some extra to give on the side, then you give or that we should take care of number one first. It doesn't talk about that. Because when we are fully trusting in the Lord, going back to the verse that, that James talked about a few weeks ago, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. When we're trusting in the Lord first and foremost, we are free to look outward to the needs of others. Biblical generosity has its roots first and foremost in the recognition that every good thing in our lives comes from God. Think about all the things that we take for granted every day. If you're in good health, it's because God has given you an immune system that protects you from all the germs in here, out there, and especially in the subway. If you're awake this morning, it's because God gave you the breath to, to come back to life, if you will, this morning, and open your eyes. That coffee that you had, hopefully, this morning in order to stay awake for my you know, three-hour sermon, it's because God gave you... <laughs> it's because God gave you... I'm sorry, Beth, I'm really not going to take three hours. <laughs> it's because God gave you natural giftings and enables you to, to go out and work and earn a living. Or assured salvation. It's because God gave himself for us. Noticing a, a theme about God giving yet? In his book, God So Loved He Gave... Kelly Capich defines it this way. Biblical generosity is the recognition that God owns everything and that we, as the great recipients of his grace and love, enjoy the privileges of participating in God's care for others. 
Everything that we have, everything that we are comes from God. We are simply the stewards entrusted with doing what he wants us to do with it. It's just on loan from God, and we're not, we're not meant to, to gather things and, and talents to hold them tightly in our fists, but to let go and pour them out on the world, to be the vehicles of his love. It, it's kind of a, a cheesy saying, but I, I love this little, this little phrase. It's, we are truly, especially in New York, we are truly blessed in order to be a blessing. God has offered us that privilege in participating in his care for, for others. God has uniquely equipped every person in this room with a particular blessing and, and talents and time and energy to be able to pour out on this world in a way that nobody else can. He has specially ordered you with individual gifts that he wants to use in caring for this broken world. Going back to, to what Sarah read, Proverbs uh, 3, uh, verses 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Verse 9 is a reminder <clears throat> excuse me, of the practice of giving to God the first and best of what we produce. The first and best of our harvests. Tithing is an act of obedience, but it's also an act of worship that we're invited to partake in. I was, as I was thinking about this, and, and you know, it's never fun to talk about tithing in church, but... Um, do you think that this was easier for the Israelites, you know, back in Moses' time? You know, life wasn't nearly as complicated. They didn't have all the distractions and all the other requirements that we do today. You know, it must have been just so much easier for them to give that up to God. Remember, this was a people that had spent 40 years wandering in the desert with nothing to eat except what God provided every day. He provided just enough for them each day. And so they knew that they could trust him to provide for him, to provide for them. Do we have that kind of faith in God today? Do we really trust that he is our provider? Or do we lean on, on the talents that he's given us and, and say, you know, it's all me. You know, I'm a rock star at work. I, you know, I, I'm a great father. I'm a great husband. Or do we acknowledge that all of those things from, come from God and he could just as easily take them away? So, again, tithing is an act of obedience, so I don't think I would call it going above and beyond, like we talked about generosity being. But it is important in the context of generosity because it demonstrates where our heart is. It demonstrates what we really value and in what or in whom we really place our trust. Our ability to be generous begins with acknowledging that he is God and I am not. Submitting that everything I have comes from him and again, just as easily could be taken away in the blink of an eye. Everything that we see here, every person, every, every piece of this building is perishable. The one thing that we can rely on to be here through thick and thin through everything is God. If you, if you don't believe me, go read the book of Job. Job said it best in the first chapter. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. In Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25, it again says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The world says to gather as much stuff as we can. Um, the one with the most toys wins. But the Bible says exactly the opposite. It said those who withhold things will, will lose it all. If you try to hold on to your stuff, you will lose it. But generosity has that opposite effect. 
I mean, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that this is not a recipe for achieving wealth, but rather it's God showing us how to be released from the grips of greed and selfishness and envy that so easily, you know, take hold of us these days. Um, I don't know, how many of you, just a quick show of hands, how many have uh, gone out for a day, uh, uh, for 100 Saturdays over the last two years? I think that's a lot of us. Um, I know I, I've been out there a few times, and on at least one occasion, I, uh, I am guilty of this. Um, you know, you sign up a few weeks or months ahead of time, and you're, you're all psyched to go, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a rocking time. And you get home Friday night from a long week of work, <laughs> and you think, what did I do? <laughs> You know, all I want to do is sleep in tomorrow. I got so many errands to do. I didn't get anything done this week. You know, I, I, I. But you know what? You say, God, I'm going to give it up to you. I, I know, you know, I'm going to honor you with this. I'm going to try to do it joyfully. Um, and so you go out there. We, we gather there around 845 on a Saturday morning. We jump in the van. Everybody's kind of dreary-eyed, you know, chugging coffee. And we get down to, most recently, Staten Island. And whether the job is uh, painting a house or putting up some drywall or knocking down a bathroom, which is a lot of fun, i got to tell you. Um, you know, you, you work so hard. You pour out all your talents. Um, some people have more talents than others in these things. But, um, and, and, you know, before you know it, it's 4 o'clock and it's time to go home. And as you're gathering in that van, you're all dusty and dirty and sweaty. And... You might be doing a little recap of the day, talking about, well, what did you do? Because sometimes we split up the teams. Um, you might be talking about, you know, this great experience or that. Or sometimes, after a little while, you're just going to sit there and smile and rest in the wonder of God's economy. Because you just worked your tail off all day, getting nothing done by the world standards, and yet you feel refreshed and energized and alive. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. In God's economy, it's better to give than to receive. We all know that saying. Um, but Rick Warren, I think, puts it, it goes a little deeper. He says, God is a giver. He is the most generous giver in the universe, and God wants you to learn to be like him. He wants to build that character in you. You see, giving more of ourselves away builds that Christ-like character in us. It's part of the transformation process more into the likeness of Christ. Our Rwanda team and our partners, we dedicated a lot of time and sacrificed a lot prior to going on this trip. From the money and clothing and soccer balls that, that people so generous, generously donated, to all the prayerful trip planning that, that Jamie and Sarah do. I, I only see the half of it, and it is a ton of work, people. To the curriculum development that we did for all the trainings, whether it was Alpha or the pastoral training or you know, the, uh, the women's Bible verses, uh, lessons at the work site. We do it all with a heart of sacrifice because we know we're doing, we're doing it for God. And we want to pour out generously on this community. But to have them in turn come back to us, you know, turning our understanding on its head. Again, we're the big, you know, the big white hope going there and, and trying to fix everything. And they pour out so generously, so sacrificially on us. To receive anything from them is so significant, but... To receive, you know, something that's as thoughtful and, and probably costly as this is so significant because we know how much they sacrifice to, to give that. We know how much it costs them. God knows how little or how much he's given uh, for each of us, to, you know, that he's put under each of our control. And he's not concerned with numbers, but always with the heart of our sacrifice. 
Erwin uh, McManus in his book Uprising says, it isn't simply that the generous are unconcerned for their own lives and well-being, but it's that they have discovered an unexpected secret. Life is most enjoyed when we give ourselves away. The generous give more than their things. They genuinely give themselves. And in the most marvelous of ways, those who give most freely live most fully. He goes on to say that generosity is the natural outflow of love. Love not only expands our hearts, but increases our capacity to give of ourselves. Jesus reminds us that greater love has no one than this, that he, that he lay down his life for his friends. The apex of generosity is sacrifice. Again, he says, he finishes with, generosity is not about how much we give, but about how much it costs us. C.S. Lewis puts it a, a little more directly, actually, in Echoing McManus when he says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If our charities do not uh, pinch or hamper us at all, I should say that they are too small. Now, the book of Proverbs certainly gives us some nuggets of wisdom of, of what we should be doing, but thankfully the scriptures actually give us real accounts of how the early Christians lived this out. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 8, the first couple of verses, Paul writes, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Paul was writing from Macedonia, explaining the generosity of the churches there with the hope that that encouragement would unite the, the Corinthian uh, Christians in fellowship. But r- real quickly, what can we learn about generosity from, from this text? Number one, generosity, again, is rooted in God. Remember, Paul says what God in his kindness has done through the churches. Again, everything comes from God, especially our ability to be selfless. Number two, generosity is the overflow of abundant joy. Joy in Christ results from not worrying about what we'll eat or or drink or or wear that day. Remember, Jesus has already promised provision for us, more so than the birds and the flowers that he already takes care of. Number three, generosity is enacted with free will. It is not forced. It's not done so others can see and then we can boast. Generosity is an act of worship saying, God— I trust you more than my stuff. And I know you're going to honor this because I'm doing, with it a, I'm doing it with a heart that honors you. This passage also refutes the thought that you need to have a lot to give uh, to make a difference. We may think as soon as I get that new job or, or I, um, I free up some more cash flow, you know, then I, I, I know I'm going to you know, give here, here, and here. But, but that doesn't really jive with what Paul's saying. These were churches that were very poor. Yet they gave not only what they could afford, but more, over and above. And they did it of their own free will, and they did it joyfully. These churches in Macedonia gave generously and sacrificially. Do we do that? Does what I currently offer of myself cost me anything? Whether it's dollars, time, energy. Does it really cost me anything? 
Um, a, a few of you know in my testimony, a, a couple years ago in 2009, I had the opportunity to go to, uh, to India for uh, about five weeks uh, on a work assignment. And going up there, you know, my, my walk with the Lord was a little rocky at the time, but I, I knew, I just had this feeling that this was going to be an awesome experience. And I remember praying before I left that, Lord, I want you to break my heart for what I'm going to see there. I had never really been off the continent of North America, so I certainly had, hadn't been exposed to anything that I was about to be immersed in. Um, and, and when I got there, there was a particular coworker that I had worked with before that um, just really kind of, she, she kind of took hold of me and shepherded me, um, you know, whether it was going downtown um, or, or finding the, the restaurants that I could safely eat at. Um, she also spoke Hindi, which was a huge asset, obviously. Um, and as we were nearing the end of uh, my trip, she invited me to come have lunch at her parents' home. And as I... Um, I was navigating the streets of Mumbai and, and walking up the stairs to this uh, apartment complex. It was, you know, out, outdoor, open and everything. And, um, and I kind of turned the corner and I walked down a hall. And I, I saw a couple windows and a door and I figured, um, you know, she had, she had come out the door and waved and said, you know, come on in here. And I figured there were a couple windows. That's probably where the other bedrooms are. I'm sure I'll get the, the full tour. Um, when I walked in, um, it was a... Uh, it was a single room. I was looking for the door in the back, and, and her mother was there at the, at the stove cooking lunch for me. And I quickly realized that they were living in a 20-by-10 room. That's 200 square feet for you New Yorkers. It's about the size of this uh, for four people for the past 20 years. This was how they had grown up. They had some beds that they'd fold out. They had a stove. They had a bathroom in the back. Um, so next time you think about how small your apartment is, just, just remember that little anecdote. Um, but I, I obviously didn't say anything. I just kind of started processing this in my head. Like, I had no idea the level at which they were living. Um, and anyway, we had a great lunch. You know, they, they feed, fed me to the gills. We talked about America a lot. Her mom wanted to know all about, you know, my family and everything. My mom, why my mom would let me come there for five weeks alone. So that's a whole different story. Um, and then, you know, when I was about to leave, we were probably there for three or four hours. Um, she said, oh, wait, wait, wait. We have something for you. I thought, wow. And she handed me a, a, a little wrapped package, probably about that big. And it, it felt kind of soft. I figured it was some kind of fabric or something. And when I opened it, it was a tan-colored bath towel. I can't remember exactly what I thought at that time. But as I've processed this over the last, you know, those days following those months, and, and really still to this day, I can only think that this must have been such a sacrifice for them to give this to me, to, to find something to show how much they appreciated me being there, how much they wanted to love on me, that I, I still haven't really unpacked everything about it, but um, it was just, it, it struck me as one of the, the greatest examples of generosity in my life that I've ever experienced. And Sarah still knows I still use the bath towel to this day, actually. It, it's holding up pretty well. <laughs> But when I think about the greatest examples of generosity that we have to look at, I look to the cross. The good news of the gospel is just a manifestation of God's incredible generosity. When we, have, as a fallen race, we're, we're dead in our sins, God said, I'm going to give them more than they expect. I'm going to give them more than they deserve. 
Christ's sacrifice on the cross is an act of pure generosity born out of his infinite love for us, an outpouring of his love. He held us, our well-being, and our salvation higher than equality with God. And he humbled himself to die a sinner's death on the cross. There were no strings attached. He demanded nothing in return. And yet he offers us this free grace and forgiveness that we so desperately need. Gifts that can only come from him. Part of that receiving is letting go of the things of this world. You know, when you're holding on to your stuff, your hands are not open to receive his, his generous gift. I believe we can only experience and live out true biblical generosity when we have first gripped the generosity of the cross. And we have acknowledged how much it cost Jesus to give us that. When we were singing this morning, I was sitting there and I, um, I was thinking back on, on some, you know, some pieces of my life and how I am so undeserving of God's generosity. And yet, he has given me something that is over and above anything I could ever expect. He has gone well beyond. He has, he has offered me the greatest gift that any of us can ever receive. God gave himself away for the benefit of others. And he offers us the promise that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So shouldn't we do the same thing? I want to, um, you know, finish up with a couple minutes of, of quiet reflection, and then I'll, I'll close this in prayer. Um, but I'll ask you guys to, to focus first and foremost on what Jesus' sacrifice on the cross means for you personally. Think about how much you didn't deserve it and how much it cost him. Think about how when Jesus was on that cross— he was thinking 2,000 years from now, I know Dave is going to do some stupid things, and I'm going to love him anyway. And I'm, I'm taking this pain for him. I'm sacrificing for him right now. And he did that for each and every one of you. So first, focus on that, because we can do nothing else until we know that fully. But as we've talked about today, generosity is about joyful, spirit-driven sacrifice. We're a congregation of, of great wealth, not just in the dollar sense. There are some incredible, you know, voices, talents, you know, sitting in this, in this audience. And I want you to ask the Lord to bring to the surface what blessings you have to offer this community, this city, and this world, and how he wants you to utilize those gifts for his glory. Now, I know there are some people sitting here that are just, you know, overburdened by this message. Like, you know, I'm already giving away so much, I, you know, in, in various avenues. I just can't give anymore, Dave. And, and I hear that. But maybe today, that's, that's God trying to refocus you on how he wants you to deploy your gifts strategically. Maybe that's him nudging you to go back to him and say, you know, God, I'm, I'm giving it all up to you. How do you want me to play this? For those that are thinking about ways to, that they can give away generously, you know, I don't know for you, maybe it's, it's going out on a, a Saturday for 100 Saturdays. Or, you know, we still have the wheat cloud downstairs. Maybe it's going and, and offering up a, an I have or, you know, fulfilling an I need. I don't know if it's sponsoring a, a new child, you know, investing in God's kingdom across, uh, you know, in another country. Or one specific challenge that I'll give pretty much to everybody here. This week, think about someone in your life that you maybe haven't talked to in a while, but you know could use an encouraging word. 
Send them an email, give them a call, or better yet, write a handwritten note. And just say a couple sentences. Hey, so-and-so, I've been thinking about you this week. Hope all's well. Wanted to know how I can pray for you. Let me know, and I will pray for you. That, you know, 30 seconds of generosity goes above and beyond what people expect, and, and God honors that and multiplies that. And then finally, we'll be taking a, a benevolence offering. I think we do this either every month or every quarter, every two months. Um, this is, a, again, above and beyond uh, what we give back to God as, as our first fruits. So if you feel led to, to give there, um, that'll, that'll be an opportunity that's coming up. So let's take a moment in, in quiet reflection, and then I'll, I'll end this in prayer in just a minute. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your generosity and that you poured yourself out sacrificially for us on the cross when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't expect it. Lord, as we look to you as our example, I pray your spirit would touch our hearts and minds today and that we would be convicted to look outward rather than inward for how you want us to pour out on this world. Lord, we have been blessed to be a blessing. I pray, Father, that you would show each one of us the role you have specifically designed for us and challenge us to keep our eyes on you in everything that we do, knowing that as we focus less on ourselves and more on pouring out on others, we will be refreshed and transformed more into the likeness of your Son. And Father, if there are any here today who have not yet experienced the generosity of your sacrifice on the cross, I know that you're, you're sitting with them right now and, and you're knocking on their hearts and you want to give them an opportunity to do so, Lord. So if there are any out there who need to just come to God today, Lord, I, I pray that they would pray this, pray this prayer with me right now, Lord, and say, Father God, I am a sinner. I am in need of your sacrificial generosity and the forgiveness that you freely offer me, Lord. I believe that you are who you say you are, and I want to follow you better today. Thank you, Lord, for the gift that you freely offer us. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.